It's Thursday, June 9th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Allen. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Mann. And from Motley Fool Global Gains, Tim Hansen. Did you just say good morning? <laughs> <laughs> when is this running? <laughs> <laughs> when are we on? All right, moving on. <laughs> the topic today is China, because once again, we are putting Tim Hansen and the Global Gains team onto a 15-hour flight and sending them to China to do some on-the-ground research. And hopefully back. And hopefully we'll get them back with some winning investment ideas. I also um, think of this as the time of year where I annually watch the Godfather trilogy. <laughs> Because they have it on the planes now. They have it on, yeah, the on, pl- on demand. It's <laughs> right. great. So every year I catch up. You want to watch nine hours worth of Godfather movies. You know, watch. I got to say, Godfather 3 starts to grow on you after a while. Oh, yeah. It's not that bad. <laughs> it's underrated. It's Especially a- when you're nine hours into a flight That's right. and had a couple bottles of free wine. <laughs> Godfather 3 hits the spot. When you're ready for most anything, <laughs> the Godfather 3 holds up. Uh, I got to give a URL here for uh, for anyone who's listening who wants to Always follow along. Radio. Exactly, wants to follow along with Tim and the Global Gains team. Uh, the dispatches they'll be sending from China. Uh, the URL is mot.ly/foolsinchina. mot.ly/foolsinchina. And and I'm that's sorry a Libyan see- website. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where you took advantage. You know, we have the, the Motley now. You knew, you knew that. I did know that. Yeah, it's yeah. Fun. I just thought I'd point it out. Motley slash fools in China. Yeah. What's what's sad is that's the easier URL to deal with. The internet is becoming very complicated. <laughs> Apparently, we're going to run out of addresses soon or something. I read that the other day. All right, getting back to the topic at hand, which is investing in China. Obviously, um, a lot of questions when one is looking to invest in China. And Tim, one that the Global Gains team put forth earlier this week. Um, in an article entitled, Is China's Growth Grinding to a Halt? Um, that sounds a little foreboding. There are a lot of forbidding, foreboding things about China. You know, and, and the big question that we had last year, which has persisted into this year, is you know, is China going to come through the recent economic volatility sort of unscathed and relatively unscathed and, and go about their, their 8 9% GDP growth? Or are they going to have a real Official. correction or a cl- officially? <laughs> uh, the data coming out of China is always a little bit questionable. Or, you know, or, or are they going to have a real correction? Um, I don't think anybody knows just yet because there are a lot of artificial forces pushing on, on China and the Chinese economy. Uh, we got news last week, for example, that they've surreptitiously um, bailed out their local governments in, in a scheme that is going to be about one and a half times larger than our own TARP scheme and, and is getting maybe one-tenth of the media coverage yeah. that, the, that the HARP scheme got. So there are a lot of things to worry about in China. You know, the risk in China slowing down is that, you know, a combination of, um, you know, inflation, uh, rising commodity prices, and, and a slowing export manufacturing sector because China still really needs that export manufacturing sector booming to grow their economy. And then the housing risk, you know, all that comes together and, and, and you see a real slowdown in the Chinese economy plus in the near unempl- term. Plus unemployment. And unemployment too, which is tied to that export manufacturing. Yeah. They're creating jobs historically in one sector that is a sector that does not have a competitive advantage, but has a comparative advantage that is quickly disappearing. Uh, Bill, when you look at China as an investor, what's your big question? You know, I, I've I've come somewhat full circle on China. Now, uh, it it used to be that I would look at Chinese companies and I I, I would trust but verify. Uh, at this mm-hmm. point, uh, with most of the Chinese companies that trade in the U.S., especially the ones that the, the small caps that are on the exchanges here, mm-hmm. uh, I I tend to think of them as guilty until proven innocent. There's so much fraud that's coming out of them, and there's so much like slipshod research and so much. 
uh, you have so many companies that have come public in the U.S., and, and it, it can't be the case that uh, that all of them are great companies growing at 15%. And as we've seen, a bunch of these companies have turned out to be absolute frauds in such a way that it's not chance. Well, and, and you and I were talking earlier, um, you had given a speech recently at the IMF. Yeah. Um, what did you tell them about the Chinese stock market? I basically said that it was uh, or that the Chinese stocks that are trading here, and there's, there's somewhat of a difference that they're basically unbuyable, and you know that's a that's a bad place to be because I do believe that there are many fortunes to be made in China, and we you know we we scour the Chinese market looking for names, and we actually in 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 our funds I should say that we we do in fact have plenty of exposure in China, mm-hmm. but. I, so much of what has happened over the last few years has been – it's really been slipshod. And, and I, th- I think that there are a lot of bad actors here. You know, they're, they're, they're the, uh, the, the small investment banks that have brought these companies public. They're perhaps the, the companies themselves. There's also the U.S. – the big stock exchanges that have allowed these companies to, uh, to come on to the New York Stock Exchange and come on to the NASDAQ really seemingly without much in the way of due diligence being done. Uh, Tim, you mentioned – the housing market in China earlier, um, and this is a question we've discussed uh, time and time again, this notion of a housing bubble in China and whether or not it will burst. Um, if that does happen in the next year or so, what does that look like? I mean, obviously, here in America, we have a sense of what a housing bubble looks like. What does it look like in China compared to ours? Well, you know, the risk with the housing bubble bursting mostly resides in the large financial institutions that have, have basically provided the money to allow it to form. I mean, we saw that here in the United States when our, our housing bubble burst and took down you know, multiple big investment banks mm-hmm. and, and government-sponsored mortgage entities and all these sorts of things. And, and, and uh, financial institutions of that magnitude in, exist in China, but it's even hairier than that because they're all run and owned by the government in China. So yeah. there's a real conflict they're of They're political rather than commercial. Exactly. So you know, there are a lot of reports coming out of China about the housing bubble. And if you look at the affordability ratios, particularly in the coastal tier one cities, it looks obvious that property's unaffordable for working people and, and that you have very high vacancies as a result of that. So that's clearly unsustainable. Where it gets somewhat more complicated is when you start moving inland and it gets a little bit harder to figure out just how affordable um, apartments and things are because there are a lot of factors pushing on affordability. You know, one is um, Wages, which are which are rising relatively quickly in those mm-hmm. inland cities. Another is that there's a propensity in China to be for adults to have been savers throughout their lives, so they're sitting yeah. on a lot of cash, which they're deploying into real estate. Uh, whether that's smart or not, you know, that's a question. But they're doing it, so so you've got that factor. And then the third is that parents often still live with their kids in China um, because there is such a, a, a not a great healthcare system for for older people, and it's a rapidly aging country. And so when you've got you know, all of a sudden, if you've got three people helping pay for a house instead of two, mm-hmm. you know, your, your denominator changes and affordability looks a lot more impressive. So, you know, as Bill mentioned earlier, A, you're starting with statistics that you may not be able to trust anyway. And then B, there are a lot of cultural factors that make doing the math a little bit tricky. But ultimately, I think, you know, so much money has been invested in Beijing and Shanghai and their satellite cities which are clearly ridiculous. And I think a banking crisis in China looms. The government is going to try to clean it up. Um, they're sorting out their giant cash balances, aren't they? They're, fix, they're yeah. fixing that problem. There are a lot of claims <laughs> on that cash forthcoming. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you know, 
we're looking at China as an extremely promising long-term investing opportunity with a lot of near-term volatility risk. And one of the things that we know is that we, we stay really far away from the simple China investment solutions like the ETFs and, and, and the indexes mm-hmm. because they're so heavily tied to that financial sector, mm-hmm. which is the one that we're the most afraid of. Yeah. I think the key to China is, and maybe this is the key to any kind of investing, but invest in the things that you can understand and invest in the things that you can verify. I mean, where are some of the frauds now? They're in, you know, they, they, they're, in, they're in companies that do things that are very hard for people outside of China to verify. I mean, you've got a company that said that it was advertising on rural buses throughout China. I mean, we have no way. How am I going to know that? How, how? I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's impossible. You know, it's impossible for us to verify. So I think that's really a big key. And We'd love to be, you know. I tomorrow I would, you know, I'd I'd buy away if I could find things that you know that that really made a lot of sense and uh, you know, and I felt like I could trust. So, Tim, you and the Global Gains team, you're going to uh, Beijing, Shanghai, Hong Kong. What what are you're meeting with a lot of companies? Um, what are two or three that you're particularly interested in, or you think maybe represent? Um, uh, particularly promising opportunities, depending on how the meetings go. Well, being interesting and being promising can often be different <laughs> things. Um, I wanted to give you a choice. <laughs> I think probably the two that most closely are both interesting and promising are are both smaller companies. One is called Jiayuan uh, dot com, which is one of the recent um, internet China IPOs, which we've been mostly been panning on on this program and others but this and is rightly so this good is, reason this is an interesting little company uh, you know bill said you know being able to verify something the nice thing about a website is that there are lots of ways on the internet to verify traffic to a website mm-hmm. and, and and say oh well you know they're saying we have x traffic and this third party is also says they have x traffic so that's that's interesting and, and they have a website that's doing quite well and it runs an online dating service in china and unlike most of these chinese internet companies that say that are making money um probably unsustainably through advertising and don't actually have a service that anybody uses, Jiayuan actually charges uh, members real money to pay to message one another and make connections, and, and they're doing and they're profitable and free cash flow positive as a result. Um, the, the interesting thing uh, about them is that most online consumers in China don't pay. They don't respect intellectual property. So this is, this is an interesting business in that regard. And, and, you know, in terms of online dating in China... It's 120 like, men for every 100 women. Yeah. It gets, <laughs> Do they make the men pay and the women are, you know, you know, the women are for free? They, they say they're the only... most Apparently in China, most of the online dating sites skew 1.5 to 1, so way more men than women. Jiayuan actually both say 1 to 1 ratio, according to their, their data. I don't know how they pulled that off, but, but it, it's a hard culture to date in because of the rapid urbanization, the lack of a bar scene... Um, and but there's a lot of pressure. It sounds as like Bill knows <laughs> to get married. <laughs> so so that's that's an interesting company. Another one is Country Style Cooking, which runs um, fast food restaurants. In Cracker China. Barrels well, throughout. I, 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 yeah. I just say, <laughs> wait, a Country Style Cooking is the name of a Chinese company? Yeah, they run. They run. They a, just don't tell you which country. I mean, come on. Countries. They're from uh, Sichuan, which is China's province, probably most famous for its food. Uh, came public uh, a little more than a year and earthquakes. Came public a little more than a year ago at about 24. It's down to 10 because they've struggled in a lot of ways. But uh, we're interested just to find out if you know this is the type of business. If they if they have growth potential outside of their home province, it's worth a lot more than it's trading at. And if they don't, it's worth a lot less. So maybe you walk away with an investable idea either way. 
Is there a downside to meeting with management? There, there are certainly investors out there, uh, money managers, who say, you know what, I don't, I don't want to ever meet a CEO uh, or an executive face-to-face. I just want to focus on the numbers, that sort of thing. What do you think? There certainly is if you allow yourself to get sort of snowed over because you have to remember these are, for them, a lot of times are advertising meetings. You know, yeah. They'd like a good story to be told about their company. We've tried to adjust and correct for that through process. Um, you know, we, we take a couple guys into each meeting now. We have a list of predetermined questions. Um, we are fa- – thanks to the magic of the internet, we can fact check in real time or follow mm-hmm. up in real time when, when facts get a little bit muddled. You know, I, I can see how you meetings can bias an investor. Um, on the flip side is that I've always been the type of person who prefer, prefers more information to less. And why not hear what management has to say yeah. about what they're trying to do? And if – you know, I, you know, Bill and I have been in meetings together in the past and Sometimes you just walk away and say, you know, that guy kind of gave me the creeps. I, just, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be his partner. I was talking about Tim. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, sometimes, you know, if you, it depends what you're looking for. Yeah. Sometimes you go in and we're just looking to get a sense of, of management. And, if, and if, for example, the type of people that their advertising pitch to you consists of them only talking about sales growth. Yeah. You know, not only have they not only do you not have a good feeling about the management team, but they also I haven't done a good job of, of – pitching investors anyway. So right. those are two, two red flags. To yeah, walk away exactly. From. I, I mean, I would say that I, I think that meeting with management is very important. Um, but I would say in my, in, in, in my own history, perhaps the most impressive Chinese manager that I've ever met was from a company called American Oriental Bioengineering, which has proven to be a very bad investment. You know, the other thing about China is that it's easy to tell really exciting stories about China. You know, and this will be our yeah. fifth time in the country. And we've probably been to over 150 meetings at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, in the first meeting I went to, I can say I walked around, I was like, wow, what? that's really impressive. And then when, <laughs> when you get the same pitch a hundred times, yeah. it be, you know. So you're jaded now. Well, jaded or a little more immune to the, to the, to the marketing angle because if somebody says, I've got 20% sales growth, you say, so does everybody else in this building. Yeah. I don't really care. I'd rather talk about these four things. Now, I know you and the team are going to be working hard. Uh, I've seen your itinerary. There are a lot of meetings on the books. Um, but, and you've been uh, on these trips before as well, Bill. Um, there are also some good meals in your future. Um, <laughs> is, is there a particular restaurant that you're looking forward to? Do you have a recommendation oh, yeah. for someone? <laughs> Don a- and any Don. of our listeners oh, who might be going you know, uh, overseas? If you are ever in Hong Kong, every meal, every time you have the opportunity, you need to go to this restaurant called Tim Ho Wan, which is in Mong Kok. And it is it is the has the distinction of being the least expensive Michelin starred restaurant in the world, and there is a line outside, and they don't have a beer license, but they allow now, you. Now Michelin starred that's like that's, that's like high total top notch. Yeah, this guy came from luxury hotels um, in in Hong Kong and decided he wanted to make food that was more accessible to people, and he makes the most amazing, you know, dim sum and 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 all sorts of little treats and. Like I said, they don't serve beer, but you're totally free to go across the street to the 7-Eleven and load up and bring it back. <laughs> and bring the beer in. And so not only is there, is there a great meal waiting for you when you finally get in there, um, but there's almost like a tailgate atmosphere on the street outside the restaurant <laughs> of all the people waiting oh. to get in. And they're all drinking beers and hanging out. So it's a fabulous experience. The food is unbelievable. And we took – we were there with a party of six. And uh, we were taking everybody out to dinner. And our, our – our, tab came to $51. And we were also like the laughing stock of the restaurant because of how much thing, how much food we ordered. <laughs> yeah. So it's just the combination is makes Tim Ho Wan just the best the best spot in Mong Kok in Hong Kong. Bill? Man, for me, actually, 
you know, there there are fabulous restaurants in China, but the deal in restaurant, you know, the deal in China is the food stalls that are everywhere, and they you know they serve the the street food. Oh my gosh, yeah, the dumplings that uh, I'm currently getting very jealous that Tim's going to open. <laughs> yeah, so the the street food that you get in in any of the in any of the big cities and even the small ones is just spectacular. All right, let me give the URL, that tortured URL, one more time. mot.ly slash fools in China. mot.ly slash fools in China. You can go. You Get can, it, Motley Fools in Exactly, China. Motley Fools in China. <laughs> We're clever like that. You can go and sign up, get uh, for free all of the dispatches from Tim Hansen and the whole Global Gains crew uh, on their trip, on their two week excursion to China. Tim? It'll be fun. Good luck, safe travel, and come back to us. Bill Mann, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Be sure to check out Motley Fool Money this weekend. Our guest is Rick Harrison, businessman and star of the hit TV series Pawn Stars. That's Motley Fool Money on iTunes, online, and on radio stations across America. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.